Boker Tov, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Aliyah Day. I am so uh, incredibly thrilled to be with each and every one of you. It is a joy, an honor, a great blessing to be here in the house, Baruch Hashem. And I hope that you're having a great day. This is the uh, wonderful uh, Aliyah whereby we get to um, uh, explore the depths of uh, the meaning of Passover, of Pesach, where we get to uh, look into the Haggadah and to some of the customs of Pesach and and uh, and and explore them in more detail. You know, uh, the Passover Seder is uh, just chock full of imagery. That's the beautiful thing about Judaism is that Judaism engages our faith on all levels. Some people say, well, my faith is primarily just that. It's it's faith. It's like a emotional or intellectual assent to a reality. But Judaism, we taste and see that God is good. We we engage our faith using literally all five of our senses uh, and to include uh, what some might refer to as the sixth sense, that is the, the sense of our uh, spirituality. So uh, glad you're here. So many people are watching um, here online live and then so many other people uh, have been watching uh, after the fact. Uh, you know, the Aliyah Day... Uh, typically, in the course of a week, by the time the week is over, if you go back and look at uh, the first Aliyah, the second Aliyah, maybe the third Aliyah, there's upwards of 600 views on the Aliyah day, which is fantastic, uh, by the end of the week, typically. And then the next week, sometimes it's a little higher, depends on if the, if the Aliyah was really good or if you liked it a lot or you, if you shared it with your friends. But what's exciting is that yesterday's Passover Insights Aliyah already has more than 600 views just since yesterday. So it's just since yesterday morning, there's uh, there's uh, quite a bit more than 600 views uh, from people who have watched that. So that is incredibly exciting because what that means is that there's people who are uh, looking at Passover, wanting to learn more about it, and particularly... Uh, in in this uh, time and season, Baruch Hashem. So welcome everybody. Glad you're here. Who else? Who do we have here? Let's see. Who is online that we can say hello to? Just really quick. Oh, Celia Diaz. There she is, watching from Dallas, Texas. Juan, the Holy One. There he is. Rachel, our Rachel, watching from Tulsa. Precious Rachel, glad to see you. And Sue, glad you were here. And Dominique from Kansas City. There you go, Baruch Hashem. Robert, glad you were here. Joe, welcome. Yara, welcome. Who else do we have? Ryan, Stephanie, Estela Contreras. Estela, Hashem said you need to make me some chilorienos. I just want to tell you that. Um, that's a word from Dios. Uh, who we have? Uh, is it Shay or Che Marak? I hope I'm uh, pronouncing that properly one way or the other. Michael Brown from Newport News, shipbuilding in Virginia. Hey, Michael, can you give me a? Uh, I'm serious about this. Can you can can I go on a tour of the shipbuilding place? I really really like ships, and um, make that happen. Thank you, uh, Miguel. Welcome, Claire. Welcome, Georgia. Welcome, uh, Sue. Welcome, uh, Nova and Holder. Welcome. Looks like uh, might be a new person. Not sure, but welcome, Georgia. Glad you were here, Elizabeth Jones. 
watching from uh, the Boyd area. The uh, Taylors from Virginia. Look at all these precious people. The Mighty Haver, undoubtedly with a cigar and a cup of coffee on his front porch. Colin, welcome, watching from the desert. Hannah, welcome. Shoshana Brenner, the rabbit scene is on uh, this morning. Welcome, my dear. Glad you're here, honey. And who else do we have? Trefina, welcome. Chris, uh, Rick, excuse me. And Gabriel from Germany, our German outpost. Charles and Michelle watching from Nueva York. That is uh, wondrous. Everybody, look at all these people here. So many folks. Hadassah. There is Hadassah. She's watching Bruca. And Shimon. There's Shimon. Elisheva Blair. Welcome. Glad you were here. Forrest. Hey, Forrest. How is it going? Keturah. Anyway, so many wonderful people. Glad you were here. Welcome. We have a lot of insight that I want to share. Um, there is just so much. We are going to have way, way more content uh then we have time for all of the all, all of the the moments that we're going to be able to spend together on these special uh Passover uh insights. Let me just get right to some of these insights. I want to go back to Sefese Miss and share some uh, wonderful um things about uh, Pesach, things that you may have thought of before, things things that you may not have uh, thought of before. And so we're going to um dive right in here. A new world order. How many have you ever heard of that? A new world order. Something that you have to understand is that uh, Hasatan, cursed be he, is first and foremost a puppet of Hashem. Um, a lot of people like to run around and say, well, the devil is doing this and the devil is doing that. And it implies, insinuates, and infers, to quote uh, Zake and Rayford, that uh, Hashem would like to do something different, but that rascally devil, like the like the wily e. coyote, uh, keeps getting in his way. Um, that would insinuate that Hashem is Chasvet Shalom, not all powerful. That's not the case at all. Um, he manipulates the enemy, uses the enemy for his own uh, purposes. But also, you should know that the the enemy cannot create anything. So one of the um, uh, awful slanders against the Jewish people. Um, and sadly, this slander comes from Christians who have stumbled their way into the halls of, of Torah, like usually from the Hebrew roots people. Very anti-Semitic, um, very hateful. But basically the slander is, is that Judaism has adopted a lot of paganism. And the reason they say this is because, like, for instance, we light candles on Friday night. And they would say, "Well, I know, I know a witch, or I know a, I know a whatever, a Hindu person, and they light candles." And so the implication is, is that we got candle lighting from them, which implies that the enemy is the creator, and we're only, and God is only the copier, which is actually the the exact reverse, that Hashem gives us mitzvahs like candle lighting. And the enemy copies it and puts it into his fake religion. But for whatever reason, people like to think that the Jews uh, copy paganism because we can't create anything, because we don't serve the creator, we serve the copier. But we don't serve Xerox, we serve Hashem. And so when it comes to the New World Order, circling back, no pun intended, to the New World Order, everybody runs around and thinks, the New World Order is so bad. But actually, there is a good New World Order that the enemy has only mimicked for his own uh, purposes. Now, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I just want to throw that out there. I actually 
utterly detest conspiracy theory stuff. Um, so please don't share it with me. Please don't send it to me. Please don't post it on my Facebook page. I'm just, whatever your little conspiracy theory is, whether it's uh, uh, try, somebody's trying to take over the world through gluten products or whatever it is, uh, just save it, okay? Um, so I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but there is a new world order out there that the enemy would like um, to copy God on. So what is Hashem's uh, new world order. Okay, so let's let's look at that, shall we? It says, expanding on this theme, we may suggest that the Seder brings a new order to the universe. Remember, we said yesterday that the the word Seder means order. So we do a, we have a Passover Seder. That is an order. It's an order of service, basically, and. Through that order of service, we are reliving our personal experience vis-a-vis the Exodus. Remember what I said, that everyone must see themselves as as having um, personally experienced the Pesach. So when we go through the Passover Seder, the order, we are experiencing God's order. And remember what I said yesterday, and if you didn't see yesterday's Aliyah, please go back and look at it. It's important. But remember what I said yesterday about the the order of events that led from the Passover to Mount Sinai. This teaches us what God is going to do with our salvation. So we have to get the order correct because a lot of uh, what we hear in modern day gospel, modern day theology is completely out of order. So it says, expanding on this theme, we may suggest that the Seder, that is the Pesach, brings a new order to the universe. So by so here's the great thing. This I just I can't get past this sentence. By us celebrating Passover and by keeping the Seder and following the proper order of the Seder, right? Then we are partnering with Hashem by bringing a new world order, not just a world order, but a new universe order. See, the enemy wants the world, right? But God wants the universe. Because Hashem likes the Vulcans too. And the Klingons, even though they're bad. But he loves them. He wants them to make tshuva. So it says here, the Seder brings a new order to the universe, as we explain. Hashem's plan at the time of the Exodus, writes Sefis Amos, was to fashion a perfect world in which mankind, led by the Jews, this is very important insight here. I want to speak to my Jewish friends out there who think that it's our four and no more, and we're not supposed to include Gentiles. Of course, I understand when when a non-Jew comes in and when a Gentile comes in, they convert and become a Jew, so they're no longer a Gentile, so there's no such thing as a Messianic Gentile. It's a falsehood. But but there are Jews out there who believe that if you're born Jewish, then this is for us, and that if you're not, then eh, you know just stay where you are. That's not what God wants at all, ever. Has it ever been that way? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and Moses were all, according to the Midrash, according to the Talmudic sources, some of the, 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 the universe's greatest evangelists going out and trying to get non-Jews to become Jews. So it says here that God wanted all of mankind led by the Jews. Not the Jews, but all of mankind led by the Jews. We're supposed to lead people to 
the covenant of Sinai. So it says, a perfect world in which mankind, led by the Jews, would accept his sovereignty. What does it mean to accept the sovereignty of God? What does that mean exactly? Well, let me tell you what it means. It means to accept his Torah. See, if you accept God as king, but you don't accept his commandments, then you haven't accepted him as king. Because a king commands. So it says here, this dream which should have been realized in the, in the period following the Exodus, was thwarted by the attack of Amalek, which dampened Israel's adore to serve Adonai. Thus, Israel's hatred of Amalek stemmed not so much from the physical threat they posed as from the spiritual damage they caused by delaying. By several millennia, the dream of unifying humanity under Hashem's banner. Amet uh, made a comment yesterday. I saw it after the fact that the gospel we have today is actually the gospel of Amalek. And it's so true. Because what does Amalek mean? Amalek is the gematria of Amalek means doubt, which is the opposite of faith. The gospel we have today actually leads people away from the covenant of God, it leads people away from God's holy law, it leads people away from. God's will. Yeshua said, yeah, I save you. I forgive you. Now go and sin no more. But the modern gospel says Yeshua forgives us. He, he, he saves us and he tells us, go sin it up. It's the exact opposite of what the original gospel said. Therefore, it is in fact the gospel of Amalek because Amalek means doubt and doubt is the opposite of faith. If you didn't see the drosh on Shabbat, you really, 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 really need to invest the whatever it is, an hour and a half, hour and 20 minutes. We went a little bit longer because Shabbat Hagadol. You really need to see it if you haven't seen it already. Anyway, it says, every year at the Seder, we seek to undo the lingering damage of Amalek caused by retracing our steps out of Egypt and bringing closer the original dream and idea of a world openly ruled by Adonai. In other words, we rearrange our universe, giving it a new order closer to God's desire, closer to, it says here, God's specification. Wow. So every time we sit down at the Seder, I said yesterday, I brought down an insight that said that every time we sit down at the Seder, we arise higher on the ladder leading to redemption. Now I'm saying, uh, in addition to that, that every time we sit down at the Seder, we are, we are uh, doing that in an effort to undo Amalek. Think about this. Every time you invite somebody, and I understand we have COVID going on right now, so you know we're not um, literally inviting people into our homes. However, we, you can invite them to watch the, uh, you know, the broadcast that we're going to have. For the Seder, but nevertheless, whenever we invite somebody over to invite to uh, participate in the this in the Seder, hopefully, prayerfully, we are removing them from the field of of uh, uh, goddess as star uh, eggs and bringing them into the to the table of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to actually uh, to actually observe. Um, the Passover Seder, which, by the way, the Passover Seder, you have to understand, is the gospel. Somebody says, 
You know, well, I want to go to a Seder because I want to find uh, Christ in the Passover. What are you talking about? He is the Passover. That's like saying I want to find uh, sand at the beach. The beach is sand. <laughs> uh, honey, let's go to the beach. I want to find a little sand. I mean, you understand, right? When you when you sit down at the Seder, that is the Mashiach. That is the, the, the gospel. So when you invite somebody to Passover, or when you yourself keep it, and you leave the field of, 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 uh, of, of sacred uh, eggs um, and, and, and bunny rabbits uh, that are sacred to the goddess Astar, and you come over to Hashem, then you are undoing a Malik, because that whole thing over there uh, is is nothing but the opposite uh, of of what Hashem wants. The Seder is the gospel of Amuna, that is faith, and over there in Bunny Rabbitville, that is the gospel of doubt. So this is what we're accomplishing every time we sit down at the Passover Seder, Okay. Now, another name for, for Passover night is Leil Shim Shemurim. Leil Shemurim. That is a night of watching, but literally the word Shemurim means a night of guarding. Therefore, it's a night of protection. So as a two, twofold purpose, it, it says that this phrase can be translated a night of protection based on the common use of the word Shomer, that is to guard, being Shomer, right, we say, if somebody wants to find out if somebody is uh, observant of the covenant, um, in the Jewish world, if you want to find out if somebody is observant, all you, you, you ask them is, um, are you Shomer Shabbos? Uh, and they would say yes, which means they keep the covenant. Baruch Hashem. Carmen asks, isn't there an egg at the Seder? Yes, there is an egg at the Seder. But it has nothing to do whatsoever with the eggs of the Easter Bunny. Remember that the enemy copies God. So the reason that there is an egg, and the reason there is an egg has nothing, it's just an egg is a convenient um, item. It just has to be a cooked food. So in theory, you could have uh, a lamb shank bone and a chicken thigh. But just out of custom, we use an egg. Now, why do we use an egg? What's the purpose of the egg? The purpose of the egg is to represent the Hagiga lamb, because there were two lambs at Passover, just like there's two Mashiachs. There's a Mashiach ben Yosef, the one who comes to suffer and die for our sins, and the Mashiach ben David, who comes to later be resurrected and become the Mashiach of the universe, maybe sooner our time, amen. That's what the egg represents. So what the enemy did is he he took his false religion under the goddess of star, and he created this egg religion, and now we have egg on our face. The Afikomen... It says here, which is kept intact until the end of the Seder, instead of eating it earlier with the required portion of matzah, is symbolic of the protection generated this night that continues beyond this night. In other words, what it's saying here, what Seifus Amos says, is that when somebody sits down to keep the Seder, this is such a beautiful insight, Hashem encompasses us in His protective uh, uh uh, essence, and that protection lasts the entire year. 
It's the entire year of protection. And what this is further saying is that that ultimate protection, just, just like we had 10 plagues, but ultimately we were redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, ultimately, the ultimate protection of the night finds itself within the afikomen. Now, what's the afikomen? The afikomen is that broken piece of matzah that we've wrapped in a linen cloth, that we've hidden away, that we have, as is very often the custom, sent our... Uh, our children to go find. Once they find it, we have to redeem it, usually with candy or, or, or pieces of or coins. Or, you know, in our case, we always use pieces of silver. That's, that's a very common custom. And then that afikomen is taken and shared with everybody at the table. That's the final thing that we eat. In fact, you're not allowed to eat anything else after you've had the afikomen, because the afikomen, which literally means that which comes last, is the taste that is supposed to linger on your mouth for the rest of the night. And, of course, this afikomen, the broken matzah that was wrapped in linen and later found, of course, is talking about the resurrected Mashiach. So our ultimate protection, this is the point, the, the protection of the Seder night ultimately finds its reality in the Afikomen. So, that's a powerful insight. Now, I want to transition here for a moment because I want to share something about the four cups of wine. We have four cups of wine. And... Um, the wine that we use for pass, for the Seder should be red wine. Now, on, on regular um, Erev Shabbat, you can use white wine and, you know, for Kiddush. It's perfectly fine because we are blessing Hashem um, due to the, the fruit of the vine, right? That's perfectly uh, acceptable to have that. Um, but... On Passover night, the sages bring down that we should have red wine, specifically, or grape juice, because there's some people that can't drink wine for whatever reason. Uh, they're pregnant, they're taking certain medications, they, they can't tolerate alcohol, whatever the case may be. You can use kosher grape juice, okay? Uh, but nevertheless, it should be white. I mean, excuse me, it should be red. And why? The, the answer is given is because it, it represents the blood of the Passover lamb. So, okay, when Yeshua said, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, and everybody freaked out and thought he was talking about cannibalism, and he, he wasn't. He was talking about the Passover Seder. Because at the Passover Seder, we eat the flesh of the Pesach when there's a temple, and we drink the wine, which is symbolic of the blood of the Passover lamb. That's why. Now, there are four cups. And the four cups are said to correspond to these four promises of Hashem, okay? It says, these are the four promises. I will bring you out, I will save you, I will redeem you, and I will take you from, from Exodus 6, 6-7. Now, Shalom 
brings down an insight that the four cups correspond to the four letters of the Tetragrammaton. That is the divine name of Hashem, which nobody knows how to pronounce, but don't, I'm not going to get off on that. Now, when you look at this, Rombell brings down a very interesting insight that there is the cups do in fact represent those four promises, and they also do in fact represent represent the four letters of the name of, of God, because the four letters of the name of God correspond directly to the four promises. And how is that so? Well, this is what is said: the yud of the yud ke vav ke represents. The hand of God, the, the, the word yud means hand or arm. And so it says that I will bring you out. And how does the scripture say that he brought us out? It says he brought us, thank you, Rachel. It says he brought us out by a strong hand and a mighty arm. The next promise is I will save you. So the next letter in the yud ke vav ke is the hey, which represents the spirit of God. And Hishim says, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. Will I do this? By my spirit will I save you. It says, the next promise is, I will redeem you. The next letter of the Tetragrammaton is the Vav. The Vav represents man, represents, uh, yeah, the man. So how does God ultimately redeem us? He redeems us through the man, Messiah Yeshua, that is the Torah, that became manifest as a man and gave his life for us. And finally, it says, I will take you, I will take you, right? Well, the... The word take you, that phrase, can also mean to possess you or to occupy. So how do, what does God do after he redeems us? He fills us with his Ruach HaKodesh. He fills us with his Holy Spirit, which is the last letter of the Tetragrammaton, which is the hey, the, again, representing the Spirit of God. Now, there's a fifth cup at the Pesach Seder. And it's the cup of Eliyahu. Now, the cup of Eliyahu, Hanavi, is not a superfluous cup. It's not a cup that is just there f- without any reason. Okay? The cup of Eliyahu Hanavi um, is set out because, number one, we're expecting Elijah to show up at our Seder and announce the uh, coming of the Mashiach may be soon at this Seder. So we set a cup out for him. And some people think that's the only reason why we have the cup there. But notice that that's the only cup that we nobody drinks from. And some people might say, well, the reason we don't drink from it is because Eliyahu hasn't come. Baruch Hashem. That is true, and it's also not the reason. The reason we drink from all the four cups is because those promises have been kept. But there's a fifth promise that has not yet been kept. And that promise also comes from this passage of Scripture in the book of Exodus. And it says, I will bring you to the land. And the sages bring down that that is the fifth and final promise, five promises, five books of Torah, where God says, I'm going to redeem you. To bring you into the land is the land of the Alam Chaba, the land of, of redemption. That's why we have the fifth cup of Eliyahu, and that's why we don't drink from it, because Yeshua said, I won't drink of this cup again until I drink it with you anew in the kingdom of God, because the final and fifth promise will have been made. Now, you might be asking yourself, 
Well, you said the four cups represent the names of God, or excuse me, the letters in the name of God. So what about the fifth cup? Because there's only four letters in the divine name. I'm glad you asked because Rombell brings down another interesting insight. That when you add the letter Dalit to the name Yudke Vavke, you get Yehuda, which is from where the Messiah comes. He comes from the tribe of Yehuda. And when we are at the point at which we are acknowledging the cup of Eliyahu Hanavi at the Seder, we ask one of the youngest children to go to the door to see if he's there. And the letter Dalit, the word Dalit in Hebrew means door. So that fifth cup re represents the Dalit that's going to be added to the name of Hashem when the Mashiach comes and all of us will be together part of the Yehudim. Now, there's one more cup I want to mention. And I'm going to take just a couple minutes over to, to do this because Amet assaulted me with this this morning right before the Aliyah. Amet sent me an insight and said that there is a relatively new custom that has emerged over these last few years of the cup of Miriam. That the cup of Miriam is, has been added to the Passover Seder because Miriam, in, in honor of Miriam the prophetess, because the scripture relates and, 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 and the sages bring down, if it weren't for Miriam, there wouldn't have been a redemption because she was the one who prophesied Moses into being and, and so on. It just so happens, I'm sure it's coincidence, that the name of the earthly mother of the Mashiach was also Miriam. But Miriam was best known for the well of Miriam. So there is a cup that's put out for Miriam, but this cup doesn't have wine. This cup has water in it in order to represent the well of Miriam. So that at the Passover Seder, this beautiful custom has now emerged whereby we have blood and water at the Passover Seder. End of our Aliyah today. There's more on that tomorrow. I'm going to come back to that, and we're going to explore that in even greater detail, and it's going to blow your beautiful mind. Until then, may you have a wonderful and amazing day. We'll see everybody tomorrow for day three of our Pesach Insights. Remember that tomorrow night is the search for hamets, And so be sure and eat all that hamets up. Get rid of it. The hamets has to be out of your dwelling, out of your possession. So you can't store it in a garage. You can't store it in a back closet. You have to get rid of it. It cannot be in your possession. You can sell it to somebody else, but you cannot own it. So um, there's that. Just want to make everybody aware of that. So Hamet's time. Get rid of it all. Eat up the uh, eat up the the pasta, pizza. Get rid of it. So we'll see everybody tomorrow. Shalom, blessings. Have a great, beautiful, and amazing day.